Hello and welcome. Uh, we are well into our series on communication. We've been talking about this for several weeks now. We've been talking about the different interactions Jesus had with different people we see in the Bible and his followers as well, and looking into those interactions to learn about how we might better be able to communicate the message of Jesus with uh, the people around us. And today we're looking at an interaction Jesus had with an individual. Matter of fact, it's the longest recorded interaction that Jesus did have with a single person. And it's one that you may have heard of before, uh, the woman at the well, very well-known story. But we're going to read from John chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, if you'd like to follow along, or of course, you can just listen and I'll read it to you. So let's read John chapter 4, verses 1 through 18. It said, Now when the Lord learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Now it was necessary that he go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being exhausted from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came there to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, along with his sons and his livestock? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I shall give him will become in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband, and come here. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and he whom you now have is not your husband. So you have spoken truthfully. Now this passage, interaction um, between Jesus and the woman at the well, is prompted by a difficult situation. There's conflict with the Pharisees and they have become even more concerned about the impact that Jesus is having on the social and religious culture. And this was an ongoing thing between Jesus and the Pharisees. And Jesus decides to travel from Judea to Galilee. And normally a Jewish person would cross over the Jordan River and travel around Samaria. But the shortest way to get there was to travel straight through Samaria. Um, not the easiest, mind you, but the shortest. Jewish people would generally avoid traveling through Samaria, and there were reasons for that. In the Old Testament, you might remember if you've, you've read about it, uh, Israel sometimes would be defeated by other nations and carried away from captivity. Um, they would, you know, uh, 
kind of leave God behind and go do their own thing for a while. And God would allow another nation to come in and capture them. And uh, eventually they would repent and turn back to God. And then God would restore them back to their land again. And that was kind of an ongoing cycle for Israel in the Old Testament. But when that happened, the conquering nation, and it probably happened um, anytime one nation conquered another, but the conquering nation would uh, leave a remnant of people in the land to take care of the land, uh, the people they had conquered. And they would also leave some of their own people in the newly conquered land as well. Uh, A couple of reasons for that. One was to likely make sure that they were doing what they were supposed to be doing and taking care of the land. And another reason for that was to intermarry and effectively reproduce the conquered people out of existence. And the Samaritans we read about in the New Testament are the result of that. The Samaritans were people who were half Jewish and half Gentile. And that was the case both ethnically and religiously. And the Samaritans practiced a religion that was a mixture of Judaism and a mixture of different Gentile religions. And it would have been highly offensive to a Jewish person. And not only that, but Samaritans really were also a reminder of the past when Israel had been conquered by other nations. So to a Jewish person, a Samaritan was very off-putting in multiple ways and would have been avoided for the most part. And now our passage says it was necessary to go through Samaria. And it's not likely Jesus would have chosen to travel through Samaria had it not been God's will for him to do that. So Jesus is traveling through Samaria. Um, it, It makes his journey shorter, but it doesn't make it easier. See, the Jews didn't like Samaritans, but the feeling was mutual. And any Jew traveling through Samaria would have at least faced some tension and possibly even hostility. And in the culture, it wasn't out of place to violently drag someone outside the city wall and and stone them to death if there was a reason to do that. So Jewish people avoided going through Samaria because they didn't like Samarians, but they also avoided it because it was safer to go around. So Jesus goes through Samaria, which is shorter for him. It's a simpler route, but it's definitely not an easier route or a safer route. And the only reason for him to go that way was because of God's will. And as they travel, that's when Jesus meets the woman at the well. And when you imagine that scenario, it's the middle of the day, it's hot, and Jesus and this woman are the only two people out there um, everybody else would come and get water earlier in the morning. The you know Jesus's followers had gone into town to, to find some food. And she comes to the well. It's just her and Jesus. And it's very likely that she sees Jesus resting there and thinks, great, you know, what is this guy doing here? I wonder what he wants. You know, I've had five husbands. I know what men are about. And I obviously don't mean that to be disrespectful to Jesus or men in general, but she has no idea who he is or what he wants, and she's definitely had some negative experience in her past. And it's the middle of the day, and people weren't normally out by the well this time of day. She's by herself, and her life was not easy. She's experienced uh, a lot of pain in her past, um, and we'll get more into that in a minute. But Jesus says to her when she comes out to the well to draw water, he says, give me a drink, which was a polite request, but it would be strange because men dorm normally didn't speak to women outside the home. 
not even their own wives. And so that probably made her feel even more uncomfortable. And Jesus being Jewish made it even more awkward. And that's why she says, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Jesus starts a conversation with someone who has negative feelings towards him. And he's a Jewish, he's Jewish, he's a man. They're out by the well, by themselves. And Jesus answers her with this. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And that sounds odd. It sounds like a strange thing to say. And when you talk to someone about spiritual things and you make that transition, if you've ever done that, it's usually a little bit like that. It's It feels awkward. It's a bit odd. And, and, and when you bring up spirituality and religion, you know, sometimes have families have rules surrounding holidays, no talk of politics or religion. Because when you bring up a topic like spirituality, religion, it usually brings almost a feeling of pressure to the conversation. And that's fine. Being, you know, a Christian sometimes involves learning to work through things that are uncomfortable. Well, being a human being often involves learning to work through things that are sometimes uncomfortable. And then in verse 11, the woman says to Jesus, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, along with his sons and his livestock? When we read that, because she's talking to Jesus, I think it's easy to have a tendency to think she's genuinely inquisitive about what Jesus has to say and just doesn't understand what he's talking about yet. But I don't really think that's the case. I think she couldn't care less about what Jesus has to say. I think she's being sarcastic. She just wants to get her water and get out of there. She's thinking, what do you want? Why don't you just leave me alone? Um, what are you even doing here? And again, that's that's often how conversations about spiritual things progress. That's how they go. When someone talks about Jesus, it's not unusual at all to be met with sarcasm or why don't you just leave me alone? Why can't you just keep that stuff to yourself? Or what do you really want? Sometimes people think you're being deceptive for some reason. And this is a situation where it's very easy for someone to be triggered by that sarcasm, by that uh, snarky remark. But Jesus doesn't allow himself to do that or go down that road. He continues on and he says, everyone who drinks of this water will just get thirsty again. But if you drink of the living water I have to offer, you'll never thirst again and it will spring up into eternal life. Remember the conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus telling him he needed to be born again and even Nicodemus, who is you know a teacher in Israel, is saying, like, what are you talking about? I don't understand what you mean. And now he's Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman about living water that will spring up to eternal life. And if you've been a Christian for a while, those are terms you've heard, you understand, you know what someone's talking about when you say those things are often in you know normal conversation among believers. But for someone who is not a believer or hasn't heard those terms before, they, they sound very strange. And the woman at the well, have, you know, she probably thinks she's talking to a crazy person, living water that, you know, you drink this water, you never have to, you'll never be thirsty again. 
But there's some takeaway to understand in that. Spiritual conversations sound strange to people having them for the first time. And that's something to be aware of. It doesn't mean you don't use terminology like that necessarily, but it's just something to be aware of. People don't understand what living water is or what it means to be born again until someone tells them what that means. And then the Samaritan woman, she goes on and says, Sir, give me this water so that I will not thirst nor come here to draw. And when I read that verse, and personally, maybe I'm wrong. I'm sure someone disagrees with me, but personally, I'm still hearing sarcasm. I don't think since the lady believes there's such a thing as water you can drink and never be thirsty again, or that this strange man out by the well in the middle of the day has it. But the next interaction between the woman and Jesus is the turning point in the conversation. This is a catalyst in this woman's life. And that's in verses 15 through 18. And this is what they say. So the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not thirst again nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and he whom you now have is not your husband. So you've spoken truthfully. In saying what he does, Jesus points out the reality of sin in this woman's life. The interesting thing is, is how he does it and what specifically about it he brings to the surface in his communication with her. He doesn't do it in such a way that says, shame on you, you're so terrible, but he doesn't say it's okay either. He says, what you say is true. She already knows her life is a wreck. She doesn't need anyone to tell her that. She's just trying to survive. She's been through a lot of suffering. And life involves suffering. Often a lot of it. Whether you are a Christian or not, life is hard. That's just reality. And a lot of pain in people's lives is caused by sin. And the pain caused by sin is damaging pain. You know, it, it does damage. And Jesus says something to the Samaritan woman that only he can know. He tells her, you've had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not your husband. You're telling the truth. And, you know, that's not something she wanted. She didn't want her life to go like that. And it's not something Jesus is chastising her about. But he's not saying it's okay either. He says, what you say is true. So what's he doing? I think what Jesus is doing in this conversation with the woman at the well is he's recognizing sin as the damaging pain in her life. Think about her history, a lifetime of being hated by Jewish people, five husbands, living with some guy in a culture that treated her like a rental car. And she was not even like her own people. And that's why she was out at the well in the middle of the day by herself, usually uh, they get water early in the morning when it was cooler and it was a bit of a social event, but she's out here in the middle of the day by herself. And you can see where the sarcasm might be coming from. In speaking to her, Jesus says something that only he can know without actually knowing her personally, and that's that she's had five husbands and the man she's living with now is not her husband. And we can't know this kind of specifics that 
Jesus does when we talk to someone. There, you know, that's that's supernatural. But when we speak to someone, we don't know their history. We don't know what they've been through, and we don't have the supernatural ability to determine that. But don't get hung up on that, because we do know that sin causes pain, and everyone has dealt with that in their life. There's no one who escapes that. That's the reality of life. And we may not know the specifics of what someone has been through, but we know everyone has dealt with pain that is the result of sin. It might be their own sin. It might be someone else's sin that they've had to live with. It could be either one of those. And Jesus understands that. And when we communicate with the people around us, we can understand that too. And when someone reacts to what we have to say in a negative or sarcastic way, whatever it might be, whether it's about you know Jesus or anything else, it, it may be the case that they have a past that's filled with pain, and that's where that reaction comes from. And it takes nothing away from me and it takes nothing away from you to recognize that pain and it's important to be mature enough and settled enough in your walk with the Lord to be able to communicate like that and work through uh, sarcastic reactions and painful reactions that people might have when you start talking about Jesus it's simple but it's not easy to do that it's difficult but it's worth it and if you react to something like sarcasm in kind or if you react to someone's pain in kind or if you deny someone's pain they will have zero interest in hearing what you have to say that's just reality and that's one area where it's very easy for a christian to fail that's why caring about the pain of others is important it accredits the gospel message when we do things like seek justice when we do things like alleviate the suffering of others it accredits the gospel message and that's an integral part of what we do as believers and recognize everyone has dealt with pain and suffering caused by some kind of sin sin in their own life it's not unlikely they are dealing with pain caused by someone else's sin i've talked to so many people who are you know hurting because of sin that someone else has committed or hurting because of their own sin but sin either way it must be recognized to understand the gospel message in our need for jesus and why he came and why he shed all his blood on the cross for us and that needs to be communicated and sometimes that's done by recognizing the pain sin has caused in someone else's life jesus came to rescue us from the pain and the damage of sin both in temporal and eternal ways and here's some homework for you this week pray about how you can communicate that to the people god has placed in your life and think about someone you know who has suffered how you might help them through that suffering and show them the love of jesus well i appreciate you taking the time to listen And I hope I get to speak to you again soon. Have a good one.